Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You don't break this principle. This principle breaks you. Kind of rhymes, doesn't it? I see the principle of sowing and reaping like the law of gravity in the sense that you cannot defy either. With the law of gravity, you fall to the earth, and with the law of sowing and reaping, you harvest what you planted in the earth. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Would you say your heart is characterized by stinginess or generosity? Today, Pastor J.D. speaks about the concept of sowing and reaping. It can be hard for us to have an attitude of financially giving generously, but God's Word makes it clear that He will bless our generosity in more ways than we know because He loves a cheerful giver. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 6 with part 1 of his message, Helping the Hurting. Today's teaching is going to be part 3 of a series I've titled, Helping the Hurting. Up to this point, we've looked at specific ways in which we can help those who are overtaken by, or perhaps better said, caught in some sin And we can do so by restoring them back to spiritual health, which is really the gist of what Paul is saying here to the Galatian churches. Because doing so will be germane to our understanding of today's text, I want to just real quickly revisit the first three ways in verses 1 through 5. The first one is in verse 1, and it's that of being gentle to others. Here, Paul says if someone has been caught and is at fault, those who are spiritual should, keyword, gently restore them. However, he packages with this admonition to gently restore them a warning. And the warning is that we need to be very careful lest we ourselves be tempted to think that we're some way and somehow better than others because the fact of the matter is this could have been easily us instead of the one whom we're seeking to restore. He's going to mention this again as we'll see here shortly. In addition to being gentle to others, we're to be compassionate toward others. In verse 2, Paul says, especially to those concerned with fulfilling the law, that we can restore others by having compassion on others, and we can have compassion on others by bearing and carrying each other's burdens To be gentle to others and compassionate toward others requires that we be humble before others. I will say that humility has to be at the core of everything from which 
everything else comes. It's that humbly seeing yourself as you ought, not more highly of yourself than you ought. And this is why Paul says what he says here in verses 3 through 5. He's sort of blunt in saying this, but he says that those who think more highly of themselves than they ought have in effect become self-deceived in their pride. We talked a lot about this last week, the ugliness of pride, the danger of pride, and even the deadliness that comes as a result of pride. Well, this brings us to our text today, and with it the fourth way to help those and restore those who are hurting. And it's that of being generous with others. In verse 6, Paul says that those who have been taught God's word should share with those who taught them God's word. Plain and simple. In verse 7, he once again addresses this notion of being deceived, saying, God cannot be mocked. Whatever we sow, well, that's what we're going to reap. Then, in verse 8, he expounds on this and says, if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap the flesh. And, conversely, if we sow to the Spirit, we're going to reap the Spirit. Okay, as a pastor and Bible teacher, I have to confess something to you. This is a most uncomfortable passage to teach on. And the reason is, is that it can come across as self-serving. And it might seem self-serving because Paul is basically (laughs) telling them to be generous financially with those who teach and instruct God's people in God's word. So, this time we're going to receive an offering for, no, <laughs> those of you who know, I should probably say this for the benefit of our online church. We don't actually receive an offering here at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Nothing wrong with that. We just have these agape boxes that are on the back wall. So anyway, how am I doing so far? <laughs> Bear with me because um, it's just uncomfortable. Actually, this is one of the reasons why I am so glad that I teach the Bible expositionally, book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse, because I cannot be accused of talking about what I want to talk about. And certainly I can't have these or pick these pet topics week in and week out. And also it kind of protects me from the whole money thing. The only time we talk about money is when we're at a place in God's Word where God's Word talks about money. And such is the case today. This is uh, what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about finances and giving generously financially. You have to know one more thing here. As God is my witness, I really wanted to skip over this and go on to finish the rest of the chapter, but the Lord would not let me get away with that. 
And actually, I'm glad for that because there's something here that I think the Lord has for us. And if you'll bear with me, I'll try to talk about that and point that out. It's a powerful and even practical principle that's here. And it's that of our generosity in the area of giving financially. And the principle is this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Moreover, the blessing that comes to the giver comes vis-a-vis the principle of sowing and reaping. And this is what Paul is talking about, and this is what I want to talk about. However, before we do that, I think it's incumbent upon me to put to rest this whole matter of any self-serving motive because it could skew, maybe taint or mar everything I say from this point on because it is specific in our text to financially giving to those who labor in and bring the Word of God. So I want to quote those who say it much better than I could, starting with Martin Luther, who said this, These passages are all meant to benefit us ministers. (laughs) I must say, I do not find much pleasure in explaining these verses. I am made to appear as if I am speaking for my own benefit. I have often wondered why all the apostles reiterated this request with such embarrassing frequency. We have come to understand why it is so necessary to repeat the admonition of this verse. When Satan cannot suppress the preaching of the gospel by force, he tries to accomplish his purpose by striking the ministers of the gospel with poverty. Now, let me hasten to say that I am so blessed as a pastor, which is my privilege to be of this amazing church, because this is a very generous church, a very giving church. And I'm also so blessed to have elders on the board of directors who are very generous with me as the pastor of the church. So please know that, boy, this is rough. Let me move on here. (laughs) How am I doing now? Still not that good? Okay. (laughs) Well, hopefully it'll get better. Of the apostles reiterating this principle with what Luther calls an embarrassing frequency, and it is embarrassing to say the least, I like how one commentator said it. This is a basic, though, listen, sometimes neglected spiritual principle. Those who feed and bless you spiritually should be supported by you financially. Paul repeated this principle in several other places. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? That's what he wrote to the Corinthian church in his first epistle. Chapter 9, verse 11. The Corinthian church, and we know this from our study through both First and Second Corinthians, was a very stingy church, <laughs> a very selfish church, very self-focused church. 
Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. This is also in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And that word honor in the original language carries with it the idea of financially honoring. It's where we get our English word for honorarium. And oh, by the way, I might as well parenthetically say, because it's a very important principle, that when in the fifth commandment, which is reiterated in the book of Ephesians, which we're going to be uh, studying next, this command to honor thy father and thy mother, do you realize that that carries with it the idea in that culture, culturally and biblically, that we're to financially care for and honor our mother and our father. We were having a conversation about this, I think it was on Thursday night, I don't know how we got uh, into this, but in, oh I know my daughter was um, talking with me and whoever I was talking with, I don't even remember, I just remember the conversation, but uh, we were talking about how that, oh, I know, we were in the kitchen. <laughs> it's, a, it's an H thing. Can I use that one? That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. So we're in the kitchen, and um, Jeannie says something to the effect of, you know, when you get older, if the Lord tarries, Sabia is going to care for you. To which I responded, she better. And, uh, <laughs> and then I kind of went into this whole thing about, in my culture in the Middle East, you don't find nursing homes. You know why you don't find nursing homes? Because when the parents are elderly, the children will take care of their parents financially. I remember many years ago, my grandmother and grandfather father on my mother's side were elderly, and the firstborn son built an addition onto their house so that they could take care of their mother and father, and all of their needs until they uh, died. And that's the culture in the Middle East. So this is um, what the word honor means. So when you read worthy of double honor, you're talking about a financial term. And then it says, this is First Timothy 5.17, by the way, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And then Luke's gospel, chapter 16, verse 11. If you trust them with your spiritual health, you should also trust them to steward the gifts of God's people. So throughout and replete in the New Testament, you find this principle reiterated again with this embarrassing frequency. So why do I go into that? I go into that to say this, and this is where I'm going with this, by the way. Whether you're the pastor in the pulpit or the person in the pew, you don't break this principle. This principle breaks you. Kind of rhymes, doesn't it? I see the principle of sowing and reaping like the law of gravity in the sense that you cannot defy either. With the law of gravity, you fall 
to the earth, and with the law of sowing and reaping, you harvest what you planted in the earth. Consider what the Apostle Paul wrote again to the Corinthian church in his second letter, chapter 9. I want to read verses 6 through 11. He says this, Remember this, Whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided or purposed in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, and here's why. For God loves a cheerful giver. This is hilarious in the original Greek language of the New Testament, which is where we get our English word hilarious. And verse 8, God, listen, here's the principle. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know what Paul is saying here? He's echoing to the Galatian churches what he wrote to the Corinthian church And he's doing so by contrasting a generous farmer with a stingy farmer. The stingy farmer plants his seed grudgingly and even sparingly, thinking that he'll have more seed, at least initially. However, by doing this, he will have less of a harvest eventually and ultimately. Conversely, in contrast, the farmer who sows generously may have less seed initially. However, he will enjoy an abundant harvest of crops and even more seeds eventually. Because you know what comes with the crops at harvest is more seeds. In that agricultural society, this would have been very understandable. It's something that in our day and age and in our culture, we maybe have some difficulty getting our minds around. I grew up in a very small town, Tico, Washington, population uh, about 200-ish. My graduating class in 1980, I graduated, barely, but I graduated (laughs) 16 people in my graduating class. But it was in a farm town, and a lot of us would work for uh, the farmers, and the major crop was the wheat, lentils as well, but wheat was the, the major crop. And 
the wheat harvest would yield not only the wheat, the crops, but more seeds for replanting for next year's crop. And the farmer who planted generously, not sparingly, had a greater crop because they did that. I want to close by pointing out something that is so very important, and it has to do with God's economy. God's economy is the antithesis of man's economy, and I'll explain what I mean by that. In man's economy, the more we give away, the less we have, whereas in God's economy, it's the exact opposite. In God's economy, the more you give, the more you'll have. As one aptly noted, you cannot outgive God. I think it was Larry Burkett, who's now with the Lord, that once said that God's got a bigger shovel than you do. And here's the thing, you know, and this is a gift, by the way, the gift of giving. If you have the gift of getting, you also have to have the gift of getting because God's going to supply the gift that he's given you. And this is why those who have that gift and give generously and uh, cheerfully, hilariously, if you prefer, those are the ones that God then, because of that stewardship and that generosity of giving, will supply them with everything they need in abundance in his economy. I want to mention Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. Listen to this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And then listen to this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Can I just say, lastly, (laughs) I can because I have the microphone, so I will, that just one uh, final comment on tithing and giving uh, financially. I just want to share it by way of a, a testimony. When I first got saved, I, you know, I'd heard about tithing and I didn't really know much about it. I, you know, had to learn about it. And I had read the Bible for the first time all the way through in about six months from Genesis through to Revelation. And it was kind of interesting because I found, especially in the New Testament, that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? He talked more about money, Jesus did, than he did heaven and hell combined. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from Galatians has blessed you and that you desire to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to hear today's message again or other teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take In Spirit and Truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Android or Apple smartphone, download our mobile app and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. 
Links to the app are right on our website. You can find Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update online as well. These weekly updates take a critical look at what's happening in the world today, particularly in the areas talked about in the Bible. Many of the events we see have been prophesied in the Bible, but with all that's going on, how do we know what's real and what isn't? Pastor J.D. takes the time each week to compare world events to biblical passages and gives us a clear picture of where we are. Tune in every Friday and Saturday to hear the latest edition or find it on our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to learn more. Thanks again for joining us today on In Spirit and Truth. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way. We want you to know we pray for you often. Join Pastor JD on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth to keep learning more from the book of Galatians. Holy me true to